0: Thank you to our worship teams at all of our campuses this morning. I know uh, uh, Shelby and then uh, um, uh, Kelly and Pastor Josh did such a great job today. Thank you so much for that. Hey, Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. Uh, about three years ago, I did a quick sermon series on marriage called Marriage Minute, putting your marriage on the clock. And I just thought I'm going to reuse that same theme because what I want to do over the next two weeks is just do two two uh, simple short marriage sermons and uh, we're just going to spend a minute on your marriage here in 2023 as we try to help improve your marriage. I said in the video we we put out yesterday that you know sometimes your car needs an overhaul, sometimes it needs a new engine, sometimes it need a, needs a set of wiper blades or tune-ups. What, what we're going to do over the next two weeks, I, I'm not going to um, Uh, put a new engine in your marriage, I'm going to try to give your marriage a tune-up just a little bit, and uh, this week, we're going to look at a verse in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to apply it to marriage, and then next week, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love, and so I'm really excited about that sermon, and so uh, make sure you hear both of these sermons, next week being uh, Mother's Day. So today, I want to preach on this subject, be a conqueror. Be a conqueror. We'll get there in just a moment. Just hold your Bibles open. We'll read in just a moment. Well, we just finished up March Madness. UConn, for the men, won its fifth title in the last 25 years. That may not sound like most of you, but no other team has won more than three. So if you'd asked me in the last 25 years who's won the most NCAA men's tournaments, I probably would have guessed Memphis, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, it's not—it's none of those. Kansas, it's none of those. It's UConn has won five in 25 years. It's a pretty amazing that they won it. They were the fourth seed, a fourth seed in the tournament, if you understand how that works. But their average margin of victory, never had a close game, was by 20 points. Now, Uh, for brackets, how many of you fill out an NCAA bracket men's time? Let me see your hands. Several of you, you know what we're talking about. They were the 11th most picked team to win the tournament, which means this, there were 10 teams in front of them. The team that won it, there were 10 teams in front of them. Only 2% of the brackets had UConn winning it, which leads me to this. You never know with the brackets, uh, if there can be any accuracy with that whatsoever. I mean, the last couple of years, we've seen some things in the tournament with bracket upsets that we have never, never seen before. And every year, millions of Americans attempt to fill out the perfect bracket. Everything from eight-year-olds who don't know what basketball is and uh Uh, women who don't care about basketball and men who don't care about basketball and men who spend hours studying it. I quit filling out brackets a few years ago because I'm a little OCD about stuff like that. And I would, I'd study it for hours at a time. And finally I said, life is too short for me to do something I don't care about. And so I, I stopped doing it. Do you ever wonder what the odds are of you filling out a perfect bracket since March Madness just happened? I thought I'd share that with you today. For example, the the odds of going 63 for 63 are 1 in 9.2 quintillion. That's according to the NCA. I don't even know what that is right there, quintillion. I don't even know, but let me try to put it in perspective. Those odds improve slightly more reasonable uh, to 1 in 120 billion if you know a little something about basketball. Now, I don't know what a little something might be. Like if you know a basketball is round, that might give you some bonus points. If you know you get two shots for most shots, it might be some uh, bonus points. Now, let's put that in context. The odds of getting struck by lightning in your lifetime are 1 in 15,300 according to the National Weather Service. So chances are you would get toasted and fried by electricity multiple times in your life before you could fill out a perfect graphic. This is wild, let, let me show you the numbers. They're an estimated 7.5 quintillion grains of sand on earth. Now remember, the odds are one in 9.2 quintillion. So they're estimated 7.5 quintillion grains of sand on earth. Earth. If I picked up one grain of sand at random, And had you guessed which grain of sand I picked up, your odds of being correct would be 23% better than your odds of picking a perfect bracket. There are 31.6 million seconds in a year. So 9.2 quintillion seconds is a quick 292 billion years. Let me keep going. The earth's circumference is about 1.58 billion inches. So you'd only have to walk around the earth 5.8 billion times to get to 9.2 quintillion. As of 2015, the best estimates for the number of trees on the planet was 3 trillion. Imagine there was one single acorn hidden in one of those 3 trillion trees, and you are tasked with finding it on the first guess your odds of success are about 3 million times greater than picking the perfect bracket has anyone ever picked the perfect perfect bracket no and you will live and die having never seen it since the state of play Since the NCAA started tracking online brackets in 2016, the closest anyone's ever come to perfection was in 2019 when an Ohio neuropsychologist nailed the first 49 picks, which is nearly, I can't even imagine doing that, but he flamed out horribly in the sweet 16, flamed out horribly. You say, preacher, why you tell us all that? Let me, let me just turn it to an, uh, to your marriage for a minute. Why does that matter? Here's why that matters. Because, as big as that 9.2 quintillion number is, when your marriage is not going well, you feel like that's about the same chance you have of getting it right. I could fill out a perfect bracket or I can straighten up my marriage. I think it may be easier to fill out a perfect bracket than it is to straighten up my marriage. You know what it's like, you know how it's going. When it seems like everything you say is the wrong thing. That everything you do is the wrong do. Everything, every look you got on your face is the wrong look on your face. You try to bring a present home, it's the wrong present. You try to get the right attitude, it's the wrong attitude. And I want to tell you, when your marriage is in a funk, it is hard to get your marriage out of that funk and so what we start looking for in that case because the odds seem to be against us what we start looking for is a magic bullet to fix my marriage i know i've had people all ministry long i've been ministry 30 years i have people come into my office and when i look at them and i say hey listen this can be fixed this can be worked on this can be made better but it's going to be a long journey it's going to be a process it's going to take time we're going to have to undo habits that you have we're going to have to change your mentality and change their thinking and they literally look at me and pretty much say this we were hoping you had a pill now I don't have a pill I don't have a magic bullet I don't have any of that but what I can give you this morning is some pretty solid biblical direction what I want to do just like you saw if you know a little bit about basketball your odds get greater what I want to do today for your marriage is give you some pretty solid biblical direction and we're going to get your odds of you having a happy marriage out of the quintillion range and we're going to get them up in something I can wrap my mind around. So let's look at one verse together. Would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? And it'll be on the screen, Romans chapter 12, and we're going to read one verse, one mm-hmm. verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says this. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Thank you, you may be seated. And when you get to Romans chapter 12, it's one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. The first 11 chapters of Romans have dealt with the theology of of um, your salvation, the theology, the Christian life, all that's happened in the first 11 chapters. Then we get chapter 12, and Paul just kind of takes all of that theology, turns the corner, and he starts giving a practical Christian living advice. And what we find in Romans chapter 12 is all kinds of relationship advice that we could apply to marriage. I'm just gonna put all these up here at once. All kinds of relationship advice that we could apply to marriage, such as this. Get your life right with God first. Like if you want to be in a good relationship with people, the way to do that is to make sure in a good relationship, with God, especially when it comes to your marriage. I'll tell you this, the closer you get to God, the better your marriage is going to be. The farther away you get from God, the worse your marriage is going to be. More times than not, when a couple is not getting along, either one or both of them are not in a right relationship with God. So Romans chapter 12 starts off giving us some great relationship advice. Get your life right with God first. The second thing it would tell us is to be humble. Can I tell you this? Pride has never made a good marriage if you want to have a good marriage men you're going to have to swallow some pride ladies if you want to have a good marriage you're going to have to swallow some pride humility will do more for your marriage than you can possibly imagine not only that he tells us in romans 12 to love genuinely which we know we ought to do he says in romans chapter 12 we should stay away from wrong and we should cling to right He tells us in Romans chapter 12 that we ought to persistently pray. And if I get you to do anything for your marriage, it'd be pray for your marriage, pray for your husband every day, pray for your wife every day. He tells us in Romans chapter 12 that you can't live in a state of revenge, that you cannot always be getting back at people. And can I tell you this, I've seen it damage marriages over and over again in life. That one one spouse does another spouse wrong and the wrong spouse compounds the problem by deciding they're going to get even. You cheat on me, I'm going to cheat on you. You're ugly to me, I'm going to be ugly to you. You do wrong to me, I'm going to do, you yell at me, I'm going to yell at you. You're hateful to me, I'm going to be hateful to you. That's called getting revenge. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, that'll get you absolutely nowhere. He tells us in Romans 12 to meet the needs of others. He tells us in Romans chapter 12 to go out of your way, to be at peace with everybody. He says as much as possible, be at peace with the people that are around you. All of that is great relationship advice. But he ends Romans chapter 12 And he ends with one verse that is, I think, can be really used in multiple areas of life. But I want to apply it to relationships today. And I want to apply it to marriage today because it fits so well in the marriage context. Can I give you three things about being a conqueror today? Number one, I want to tell you this. Evil is out to get your marriage. Evil is out to get to get your marriage. Look what he said in verse uh, in, in that verse he said, "Do not be conquered by evil." The very first thing in in verse 21 is, "Do not be conquered by evil." I'm going to tell you that is an absolutely amazing family and marriage advice. Why is that? Because that word conquered there is a great word in in the Greek language. It was a word that was used in a legal sense. For example, it meant that you won your case in court. So if you went to court with somebody and your side won, the word for win in your court case would be the word conquered right there. It meant that you overcame in your court case. Not only that, it was an epitaph that was used for emperors as well so when they when an emperor died if he had been a victorious emperor a conquering emperor they would have put on his epitaph Conquered. It was a word used for military success. So, when in battle, your regiment won, your army won, won the battle, it is said that you conquered, you were victorious, you overcame the enemy. Not only that, it was a word that was used in sporting events. So, if you won your wrestling match, you conquered. If you won your race, You were the victor. And it's the same word used over and over again. Conquered, conquered, conquered. Victory, victory, victory. Overcome, overcome. Win, win, win. Now, you know the Greek word. You know the Greek word because you may be wearing it on your feet this morning. The Greek word is the word Nikeo. It's where we get the word Nike from. Nike, the shoes, are the Greek word for victory. It's the Greek word for conquer. And so here's what Paul tells us about, I'll apply it to marriage today from this point forward. Paul tells us that in your marriage, do not be conquered by evil. In your life, do not let evil be victorious. Now, it's worth just a minute. To, to describe what he means by the word evil. The word evil there means bad, dangerous, harmful, wrong, injurious. That's the word for evil. And so here's what Paul is trying to tell us here, and I think we ought to pay attention. That evil is out to get your marriage. You say, well, preacher, this is not a specific marriage verse. No, it's not. But evil is out to get your life. And it, most of us, the way the enemy can destroy our life is by first destroying our marriage. And you've got to open up your eyes and know this that the enemy is attacking your marriage. You know what he's doing? He's coming after the of your marriage. He is coming after the joy of your marriage. He is coming after the love in your marriage. He is coming after the communication in your marriage. He is coming after the closeness of your marriage. He is coming after the spark that's in your marriage. He's coming after the emotional bond that's between you and your wife and you and your husband every day of your life. Evil is out to get your marriage. So just write it down. Evil is coming after you. And you don't get a day pass. You don't get a week pass. You don't get a honeymoon period. From day one, the devil knows that if he wants to disrupt your Christian life, all he's got to do is disrupt your marriage. Because you know what? You, you, You can't function in the Christian life if it ain't working at home the way it ought to work. You just can't. It's just not possible. It's not possible. And every day of your life, you're going to get up, and evil is coming after you. Researchers just tried to figure out what the most stressful time of day is. As a family, when are you the most stressed out? And they were able to narrow it down to the very minute of the day. Does anybody want to guess? 647. How many of you are not even up by 647? Let me see your hand. Uh, you guess? You're, you're close. 7.23 a.m. And they tried to figure out why 7.23 a.m., the most stressful time of day, and here's what they concluded. Well, a lot of people are sitting in traffic at 7.23 a.m. And as a former person who lived in the metro Atlanta area, I can tell you 723 a.m. is an incredible, stressful minute in your life. I live 14 miles from my office, and it took me an hour and 15 minutes to drive 14 miles. On average, it was worse on some days. They said at 7.23 a.m. you may be sitting in traffic. They said at 7.23 a.m. you may be trying to get the kids ready for school. At 7.23 a.m. you may have slept late and now everything's behind. At 7.23 a.m. the toast may be burning in the toaster. Here's why I'm telling you this. Why does that matter? Because your day is under attack before it even gets started. The devil's already come after you. Evil's already coming after you. And I guarantee you, if you're home together at 7.23 a.m., your marriage is already under attack the first thing in the morning. You're, the enemy will go after your marriage before you can even get your day started very good at all. And it reminds me of these Bible verses that we need to remember. 1 Peter 5 be sober-minded, be alert, because your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can divide. And he's doing the same thing in your marriage. He is looking for that opening in your marriage that he can slide in there and destroy your marriage. He's looking for that one argument in your marriage that he can slide in there and make it bigger than what it is. He's looking for that one mistake in your marriage so he can amplify it and use it to destroy your marriage. And Jesus told us this about our enemy. He said in John 10, 10, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And the enemy's out for your family to steal and kill it and destroy. Evil is out to get your marriage. Now hear me this morning, you say, how will he do it? Listen, he'll send people in your life that he'll use to mess up your marriage. He'll send problems into your life. He'll use that problem to mess up your marriage. He'll send pressure into your life. When a lot gets going on and the family gets hard and it gets complicated and it gets busy, he'll, he'll take that pressure and that anxiety and you'll use it to drive a wedge in your marriage. Hey, he'll take pettiness. If the enemy wants to do anything, he wants to take a big bunch of Nothing. I want to ask you to raise your hand. It's everybody in the room. How many of you have been in a knock down, drag out, pan throwing, door slamming, shingle rattling, neighbor waking argument with your husband and your wife? And two days later, you're still mad, but you can't remember why you're mad. But you're holding on to it, to your last breath. Although you don't really know why. You know what that is? That's pettiness. That's pettiness. He is coming after your marriage. He is on the attack, and here's what Peter would tell us, that you need to be sober-minded and alert, that your marriage is under attack. Always be working to make your marriage better. Always be working to make your relationship stronger. Why? It is under attack. Evil is out to destroy, destroy your marriage. Well, that's the worst possible news to start a family sermon off with, right? So let me move on to number two. Number two, I want you to know this, that you don't have to let the enemy win. Look at how the verse starts off. Do not be conquered by evil. Do not be conquered. Now, the word not there is a participle that negates the clause. And you guessed it, the word not conquered is the word Nike, but the word not is a participle that means it's the opposite of the word uh, that, he, that he first put out there. So, so evil is attempting to get victory over you, conquer you, but he puts the participle not in front of it to cancel out the word uh, conquered. So really what he's saying is this, that whatever the opposite or negative of conquered is, that's the p- space we're supposed to live our lives in. In other words, Don't let the enemy have victory in your marriage. Don't let the enemy have victory in your life. That the enemy, the devil himself, does not have victory to win, that he can be conquered, that you can defeat him. Paul said this to us as children of God, you do not have to let the enemy win. You do not have to let him have your marriage. You can be victorious yourself in your marriage and not give the enemy any space at all to win in your life. Now, why is this important? It's so important because too many times in my ministry, I've seen marriages just give I can tell by the look on their face when they come into my office. They've just given up. It's one fight too many, and they've given up. It's one dull day too many, and they've given up. It's the one thing I can't tolerate, and you've given up. It's warning after warning after warning, and you've given up. What they've let happen is they've let... Uh, the enemy conquer their spirit. They've let the enemy conquer you as a husband and conquer you as a wife and you have flat given up you have absolutely stepped knee deep in the trap that the devil has for you and it's closed on you and it has you and you have just laid down and given up on your marriage and here's what Paul would say in any area of life but in marriage do not be conquered you have got to find a way to not let the devil win because whatever the opposite of victory is whatever the opposite of being conquered is whatever the opposite of winning is that's what you've got to do to the enemy you be the conqueror don't be conquered my my generation grew up hearing this phrase I don't I don't think this generation hears this phrase you remember the phrase dress for success you remember the phrase Dress for the job you want, not the job you have. You you remember that phrase? I think some of that's going out of style. You say, well, how I dress doesn't really affect my life. Did you know you are very, very wrong about that? That the clothes you wear in life do make a difference in your life. Researchers call it enclosed cognition. One study found, fascinating to me. Fascinating. I know y'all might get tired of stuff I read, but fascinating to me. One study found that people wear lab coats, so you, you, got, you got two groups of people. One group of people, they put in doctor lab coats, and another group wore normal clothing, and they performed attention-related tasks. So lab coats, normal clothing, let's all perform a task. The lab coat group did much better than the normal clothing group. So they said, well, it could could just be, you know, randomness. And so they got two more groups together, and they put them all in lab coats again, the exact same lab coats in both groups. But they told one group it was a painter's coat, and they told another group it was a doctor's coat. They did the test again. And did you know the people who thought they were in a Doctor's lab coat did better than the people who thought they were in the painter's coat, though they were in the exact same clothing. That's why they call it enclosed cognition. Now, this goes a step further. Researchers wearing a Superman shirt found out this. Listen to this. It makes you feel more likable. It makes you feel superior to others it gives you more confidence and made people act more bravely did you hear that list you're more likable you're more superior to others it gives you more confidence and it makes you more brave i don't know if that works or not this morning but i wasn't going to take a chance i suddenly feel more likable all by wearing a Superman shirt. It's not good English to should preaching. Superman don't get conquered. He doesn't. Superman does not get conquered. Now, I'm not telling you it works, but hey, if the shoe fits, wear it. And can I tell you what you need to do? You might need to go home and put on your Super Husband shirt. You might need to go home and put on your Wonder Wife shirt this afternoon and decide this. You're going to make this decision. I will not be conquered. I know what the devil's trying to do. I know what the enemy's trying to do. By the way, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't. He doesn't care about you. I don't care what carrot he might be dangling you out here. I promise you your life's going to get worse. He doesn't care about you. He cares about the kingdom of God. And he knows if he can disrupt your marriage, he can stop what you're doing for the kingdom of God. And so you need to go home and put on that super husband shirt, that wonder wife shirt, and you need to say, I will not be conquered. I will not give up. I will not lose this relationship. I will not get discouraged. I will not stop loving him. You might be here today and you're already thinking about being conquered. You're already making decisions to be conquered. Hear me, don't let it happen. Superman up in your life a little Bit because i want to tell you you do not have to let the enemy win you don't let me show you the third thing i'm just gonna leave you some button for now so you can see it number three number three be the conqueror be the conqueror here's how you close it out he said don't overcome evil, but conquer evil with good conquer evil with good a great principle of relationship and marriage. Did you know it's the same word here in the Greek? Nikeo, naki, victory, conquer. And it's that same word is used in the Greek New Testament for the power that you have the power of the Christian, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God that you have at your disposal. You can be a conqueror. You are a conqueror through the power of the Holy Spirit. You do not have to be overcome. You can actually do the overcoming. And so here's what Paul was trying to tell us. Don't be weak. Don't give in. Don't back down. Make war against the enemy because the enemy may have declared war on you. You declare war on him. He may have started a battle in a marriage. You start a war for your marriage. He may have fired a shot at your marriage. You drop a bomb on your marriage and you decide I'm going to be a conqueror. Don't let evil win in your marriage. Don't let bitterness win. Don't let anger win. Don't let complacency win. Don't let arguing win. Don't let sin win. Don't let hurt win. Say, well, how do I do that? You fight back. How do you fight back? Paul said, you conquer evil with good. So don't let bitterness win. You fight back with forgiveness. You fight back with love. You fight back with commitment. You fight back with honor. You fight back with prayer. Don't let your marriage be a flash in the pan. Commit to the long haul. And let good conquer evil. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. You've probably never seen this light bulb. I find it fascinating. This is an actual picture of the light bulb. It's in Livermore, California. It is the world's longest burning light bulb. Now, not a joke. It's been shining in the town's firehouse Since 1901, they don't make them like they used to. The bulb is three inches long. It's made of hard-blown glass and carbon filament. Firefighters say it's about 60 watts. And scientists around the world remain puzzled by it. The firehouse even runs a webcam 24-7 so enthusiasts can watch the light bulb. They want to see if it's ever going to burn out. You can tell it's as old as as it can be. They can't explain it. But through thick and thin, that light bulb just keeps on burning. You need a little bit of that in your marriage. If a light bulb can burn for 122 years, you can be the conqueror in your own marriage just keep on burning when evil rears its ugly head attack it with good when hurt comes around conquer with forgiveness you say preacher you don't understand you don't know how my marriage is you don't know what I was going wrong listen I do know this that if you are a child of God and you need to examine that this morning does the Holy Spirit of God live within your heart and life The Holy Spirit's not there. This is not possible. But if he is, the Bible says this about you in Romans 8. We are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. The power that lives within you, you are more than conquerors through him that loved us. With Jesus Christ on your side and the Holy Spirit in your heart, there is nothing you can't do, including save your marriage. We know this. Romans 6, 9 says, let us not grow tired of doing good. From the proper time, we'll reap if we don't give up. Too many marriages gave up one good deed short of victory. Too many marriages gave up one good word short of victory. You say, preacher, I've done it over and over again. I get it. Keep doing it. Do not grow weary. If the Spirit of God is in your life, do not grow tired of uh, doing good. Be a conqueror and overcome evil with good. Don't let evil win. Conquer bitterness with forgiveness. Conquer depression with joy. Conquer boredom with passion. Conquer arguing with peace. conquer hostility with love and temptation with commitment and negativity with encouragement it can be done you if you have Jesus in you you be the conqueror you be the conqueror
1: would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message on marriage. And the truth is, Satan would love nothing more um, than to destroy your family. And and, and we've got to be aware of that, and we've got to be on guard, and we've got to keep the enemy out of our homes, and we've got to seek God's plan for our life and marriage. And maybe God has spoken to you, and maybe you need to make something right with your spouse. Maybe you need to have a conversation with a kid and um, and make some things right with a kid. Maybe you just need to purpose in your heart and decide, hey, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And um, what, However God has spoken to you this morning, respond to Him. And maybe you're sitting here listening to this sermon saying, man, I've tried before. I've tried in my own flesh and I've not been able to Accomplish what I know God wants me to accomplish in my home and in my in my marriage and in my family. And, um, and maybe it's because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You've never started that relationship with Jesus. That begins with you understanding that you are far from God because of your sin. Your sin has separated you from God. You've got to be willing to admit that. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again, paying the penalty for your sin and making a way for you to have a relationship with him. And then you've got to confess him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if God has spoken to your heart, you need to do that this morning. In the quietness of this moment, wherever you are, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and he rose again on the third day to pay the penalty for my sin. And God, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and take up residence in my heart and in my life. God, I give you control of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray amen if you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time and you meant it I want to say welcome to the family man we want to celebrate that with you and so if you would click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box that says I commit my life to Christ we're gonna ask you just a few questions answer those questions I'm gonna connect with you on Monday and send you some stuff in the mail to help you it has been fantastic to worship together online this morning. I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week.
0: We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at
1: peavine.org. Thanks for listening.